twowayradios.com, check, check. Bytwowayradios.com. Recorded almost live from Rock Hill, South Carolina. It's the Two Way Radio Show. Welcome to the Two-Way Radio Show. I'm Rick Savoya. I'm Danny Feimster. And I'm Anthony Roquet. And this is the podcast about two-way radios for business and consumer communications. Today we'll discuss the FCC's 2013 narrowbanding mandate. We'll clarify what this means and help you identify if this mandate will impact your business. And if so, how to move forward. We'll also review the Olympia P324 Business Radio and take some of your questions from our blog and our forums at twowayradioforum.com. Our show is sponsored by buytwowayradios.com, the source of two-way radios and radio accessories for businesses and consumers since 2002. Buytwowayradios.com, your radio specialists. All right, let's talk about the new FCC requirements. All right. Um, Before we get into discussing the uh, specific FCC mandate and who is affected, I think we first need to explain what narrowbanding is and why this mandate came about. This is really stuff for radio geeks that end users wouldn't uh, really ever have to think about if the FCC hadn't stepped in with this requirement. Anyway, what is narrowbanding? Keeping things simple, narrowbanding deals with how much space a radio uses when sending a transmission. In the past, frequencies were licensed as wideband which meant that your radios were allowed to use 25 kilohertz of bandwidth in a transmission. As radio use has grown, though, some heavily populated areas are just running out of frequencies. If radios are set up using narrowband, a transmission will only use 12.5 kilohertz of bandwidth. This means the FCC can license twice as many frequencies for the same area. If you need a visual, uh, imagine the signal is traveling through a tunnel from one radio to another. Tunnel represents the frequency the radio is transmitting on. If the tunnel were half the size, then you'd be able to fit two tunnels in the same amount of space. That's essentially what this narrowbanding requirement is all about. Now, specifically, what the FCC is mandating here in two parts. First one has already happened. January 1st, 2011, or 2011, uh, the FCC stopped issuing licenses for wideband frequencies or 25 kilohertz frequencies. Um, all licenses that are being issued now are being issued um, on narrowband or 12.5 kilohertz. January 1st, 2013, you will no longer be allowed to use any radio that transmits on wideband frequencies. You will no longer be able to transmit on wideband or 25 kilohertz after January 1st, 2013. Also, January 1st, 2013, all equipment that is manufactured after this date must also support six and a quarter kilohertz, which is sort of the next step of narrowbanding, very narrowband. No requirement for the six and a quarter at this point. Anyway, in summary, by 2013, if you're using a business radio, you will need to be sure you're using narrowband or 12 and a half kilohertz. 
So right now, anybody who buys a license at this point is they're okay. They're all set up for narrow banding. It's that's they've got a license for narrow banding. Um, for those who purchase a license prior to that, you're going to have to purchase a new license. Yeah, if you've been using radios for a while, most likely you've got a, a license that allows you to operate on wideband. And if you've had equipment for a while and you haven't ever made any changes, then um, most likely you're using wideband on your radios. What's going to happen in 2013 is you're going to have to have those radios modified or you're going to have to get new equipment that uses narrowband. The good thing is most of the radios manufactured within the last 10 years or so already have that capability of of being switched over to a narrow band. Exactly. So you may not have to purchase new equipment. If you're using equipment older than than 10 years, more than likely it's already set on wide band and that's all it can accept. But if you've got a radio, um, most of your radios purchased within the last 10 years are going to have that option. Um, it's just a matter of programming, switching from wide to narrow. So a lot yeah. of customers can just go ahead and say, you know, I need my radios reprogrammed for narrow banding, and then, then you're okay then. Yeah, the first step for any customer using radios right now is to find out if their current equipment supports narrow banding or if they're already narrow band compliant. So they could call us, tell us what radio they're using, or send us one of their radios, depending on what model it is, and we would be able to tell them if they're compliant now, if the equipment that they have supports narrow banding and just needs to be reprogrammed, or if they would need new equipment. And uh, so if they purchase a, a radio about 8 to 10 years ago, there's a pretty good chance they're, gonna, they're going to need to purchase some new equipment. Well, 8 to 10 years, I'd say that there's a good chance they're not going to need to purchase new equipment. Right. If it's older than 10 years, it's going to be hit or miss. But if it's within the last 10 years, most likely their equipment is going to be okay. Now, uh, if you've got radios that are 8 to 10 years old, there may be some other reasons that uh, you might want to, to look at upgrading. And uh, it might be a good time to move to some digital equipment. A lot of um, users are, are taking this opportunity to upgrade their equipment to digital. And actually, a lot of two-way radio dealers are, are telling their customers that they have to go digital as part of this 2013 requirement. But uh, that is not the case. There, there's a lot of good reasons to go with digital equipment, but um, the 2013 requirements to, do not mandate that you go digital at this time. And we're going to cover that in a future episode of the two-way radio show as well, uh, covering digital radios. It's possible that maybe narrowbanding might be the first step into a migration more to digital. Do you think that maybe the FCC might be thinking about that for the long term? Um, at this point, the FCC hasn't given any indications that they're, they're going to require any kind of transition to digital equipment, but uh, they have given some indication that they may require uh, movement in the future to six and a quarter kilohertz um, instead of 12 and a half, which is the requirement right now. Mm-hmm. As I said earlier, um, January 1st, 2013, there's currently a requirement that all equipment that's manufactured or imported after that date has to support six and a quarter, which is half of the 12 and a half. So they'd be able to double up once again on the number of frequencies they'd be able to allocate if they ever forced people to move to six and a quarter. There's actually some pushback on that because not a lot of equipment supports six and a quarter right now. Mm-hmm. And it would probably drive the cost of equipment up somewhat to force 
manufacturers to support that. So um, manufacturers are going back and forth with the FCC trying to get that date extended. That date was initially 2011, and they asked for it to be pushed off to 2015. To give and, more time. Yeah, to keep cost from going up by including the uh, six and a quarter. But, and this, this current economy, I don't know if the, the, the timing is all that great for the OCC to, to make a requirement like that because there are a lot of companies out there that are probably concerned about how much this will push their costs up or their budgets for radio communications. Right. Well, this 2013 requirement that all equipment manufactured or imported only support 12 and a half or lower that's going to cause a lot of changes because most of the radios that are sold right now support wideband in some capacity. They don't have to be programmed to use it, but they do support it. The way this requirement is written, all the equipment sold or all the equipment imported or manufactured cannot support wideband. So, so I take it this extends to other equipment like repeaters and things like that. Yeah. Absolutely. um, What you're going to see are all the models that are on the market today mm -hmm. are going to have to be transitioned off and replaced with something else before January 1st, 2013. Now, another interesting thing um, about this is that once people make that migration to narrowbanding and you know, if there are a lot of companies and individuals who have to, to do some upgrading, there are going to be a lot of old radios floating around that, pretty much nobody can use anymore right they're going to create i would guess a big market for um old used equipment that's non-compliant i mean it's non-compliant but you know some people are probably going to continue to use this equipment even Mm -hmm. though a reputable dealer is not going to be able to sell this stuff i see of course that that has to do with this country right i mean as far as the global market is concerned i'm sure there's probably still going to be a market for the wideband radios globally. Right. And and any radio that only supports wideband is going to be a, a pretty dated radio. Mm-hmm. Now, you're going to be able to continue to use a radio that supports wideband after 2013. You just won't be allowed to use that feature of the radio. You're so going I can to have, have one on my desk, but I can't touch it. <laughs> oh, you, you Paperweight. Can, <laughs> you can have, uh, like, let's say you bought the radio a couple of years ago and it was set up to use wideband, mm-hmm. but it also supports narrowband. You called us. We we identified what radio you had. We asked you to mail it to us, and, and uh, we reprogrammed it to where it uses narrowband. Well, that radio supports wideband. It could technically be reprogrammed to use wideband, mm-hmm. but as long as you're using it in narrowband mode, then you're okay. And those radios are still going to be okay. But you wouldn't be able to buy a new radio that was exactly like that one because new radios are not allowed to support wideband at all. Any any thoughts about programming these? Any additional thoughts? Uh, pro- the programming part is fairly it, it'll simple. Probably be, we, it'll be simple. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing new there since radios we, for years have supported multiple bandwidth so it's you know we've been doing that for years uh now there may be some performance issues during the transition period let's say you buy new radios now Um, manufacturers are are defaulting radios now to narrowband whereas in the past they may have been defaulted to wideband so 
if you purchased a radio a couple of years ago or maybe even a year ago and it was preset to use wideband you may not have even known that but now you purchase the same radio using the same frequencies mm-hmm. your new radio may be set up to use narrowband no they have so, to do is, there's not much they have to do really and you've got in that scenario a wideband radio talking to a narrowband radio which is it's going to work fine but there may be some quirks uh, you may see uh, one radio is louder than the other, or you may sound like you're in a tunnel somewhat on one of the radios. Um, your range between those two radios may not be as good as two radios that are both narrowband or two radios that are both wideband. Um, so if you see anything quirky, it may be because your uh, bandwidth is set up differently for your new radios to your old radios. Okay. Also, with the narrowband the manufacturers keep warning us that it's possible that coverage may be different from wideband to narrowband. You may get more, have gotten more range in the past with a wideband setup than you're going to get with your new narrowband setup. So essentially narrowbanding may actually decrease the range is what you're saying? The manufacturers keep saying that that's possible. But in their test, they don't show any kind of um, difference at all. Um, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist here, but I wonder if maybe that's a way for them to graciously backtrack a little bit on some of their past claims, like, for instance, with some, some radios, that they get more range than they do. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I just think that, that maybe... Theoretically, you're not supposed to get quite as much range with, with narrowband, and you know maybe that doesn't play itself out so much in testing, but they're covering their bases in case somebody says, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I, I used to get an extra 10 feet in my warehouse, but now I'm not getting that. Can <laughs> <laughs> I hire a fire more employees? You'll have 10 more feet. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Yeah, I've got a million of them. Now, let Um, me tell you what to do uh, once you're compliant. Normally, you would think, okay, I've got all my radios set to narrowbanding. FCC's mandating narrowbanding, so I don't have to to tell them anything. Um, And if your frequency license is already for narrowbanding, then you don't have to worry about it. If your license already authorizes you to use wideband or narrowband, then you're okay. But in the case where you have a license, a frequency license to operate only at wideband, then you do need to modify your license. You need to file a modification application to add a narrowband emission designator or change the wideband emission designator to a narrowband emission designator on your license. And Mm -hmm. talk to us about that or talk to your frequency coordinator about that. They'll be able to file the paperwork for you. It's a very simple change. It may sound complicated, but that's a minor adjustment on your license, and it won't affect, from what I understand, it won't affect most users. Call Anthony. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yep. So pretty much uh, to recap. Uh, to recap, uh, January 1st, 2011, the FCC stopped issuing licenses for wideband. On January 1st, 2013, no one is going to be allowed to use wideband any longer in the business frequency range. You're going to need to change your equipment if you're currently using wideband radios. 
and uh, call us if you need help doing that or reprogramming your radios. Most likely, your current radios are going to be okay. You may want to look at it as an opportunity to upgrade a new equipment or go with digital equipment. But if you're using wideband, you're definitely going to have to stop doing that before January 1st, 2013. So uh, check your radios. Uh, it's probably a good idea now that it's on your mind to check your radios and see if they are uh, narrowband compliant. And if they aren't, then just give us a call and we'll be able to, uh, to assist you with that. Um, also, as of the time of this uh, podcast, you have about a year and a half, but I would suggest that you don't wait until the last minute to take care of this uh, because uh, it goes by pretty quick and it's easy to forget all about it and set it aside and then all of a sudden, oh no. <laughs> yeah, it would be a nightmare if your, your company has hundreds of radios and you're assuming that all you're going to need is to have them reprogrammed and then you come to find out your equipment doesn't support narrow band at all and you need to replace all of your radios that's a huge expense to have to to take at a moment's notice so yeah that's that's correct that's true okay that is uh, pretty much the scope of the narrow band migration requirements coming up we have a review of the olympia p324 business radio what's our take on it well stand by because that's next on the two-way radio show Searching for two-way radios? Buy two-way radios has what you need. Buy two-way radios is the source for two-way radios and radio accessories from major name-brand manufacturers for businesses and consumers alike. Buy two-way radios provides more than just great radios at a great price. We are a leading source of expert advice on the products that we sell and can assist in finding the perfect solution for you or your business. We also deliver great service. All of our products are stocked at our local warehouse. This allows us to guarantee processing time and fast shipment of your order. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, Buy Two-Way Radios can help you find the best solution for you. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at buytwowayradios.com weekdays from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. Buy Two-Way Radios at buytwowayradios.com. Your radio specialists. You're listening to The Two-Way Radio Show. This week, we have a review of a business radio from Olympia, the P324. Well, the Olympia P324 is a uh, very small and compact business radio. We've been selling this radio for about two years now. Packs four watts of power in it, uh, which is very unusual for a radio this size. Um, I compare it to a radio the size of like a Midland consumer radio, uh, a talk about some, something along those lines. Yeah. At first glance, it kind of looks like one. It does. The power out output is selectable. You can, you can drop it down to a one watt radio. Uh, if you're not needing that full four Watts, um, that'll save you on battery. It will. Yeah, definitely. Um, it is speaking of battery. It is a lithium battery that is included with it. Um, battery tests show nine to sixteen hours, just depending on how much it's used, you know, what power setting you're in, things like that. It is pre-programmed out of the box with ten default channels. It is capable of uh, holding up to thirty-two channels. So if you need more, 
that radio can you know hold up to 32 channels. This is fully programmable by the dealer or if you buy the software. It's not something that you it's not user programmable through the radio. It has to be done with the software, but you can plug in your your frequencies and it is repeater capable. Um, we have a, a programming kit available for that if you want to do it yourself. That's right. That's Cable and software. And I believe that's forty nine dollars. Yeah, it's about right. Forty nine ninety nine, I believe. Of course, if you buy the radio from us, there's no charge for the programming to begin that's, with. That's right. Um, software is nice though because some folks need to tweak some, you know, make some changes, things like that. Especially mm-hmm. if you got a lot of them. Very small. That's one of the that's one of the pluses about it. It's not a big bulky radio, but there are some some negatives about it. The sound quality is not that great. It's it's it, it does the job. I, I, I suggest people that buy this radio. If you're a small dentist office, if you're a small retail store, things like that, it's a perfect little radio. If you're doing construction or security work or working at a water park don't need this radio it's uh it's not as built to to withstand a lot of those bumps and bruises it's going to get on a construction site Mm -hmm. it's not very water resistant it's not very dust resistant things like that um it's not a military spec yeah it's not a mill spec radio a lot of business radios are military spec now and and this one is not i guess the biggest benefit of this radio is the price at yes, one oh nine. Um, this is by far the lowest cost four watt radio that we carry, and and I haven't seen any others that that are comparable. I could, in I, this price range. Yeah, I consider it kind of an entry level business radio. Very much so. Yes, yeah, that's what I would call it. Uh, normally, I would recommend a, a higher if for entry level application something like a ICOM forty eleven Vertex VX two thirty one. This is really, if you're looking to save money, the Olympia is an option for you. Mm-hmm. Well, we have an audio sample from the P324, and uh, we can go ahead and play it now for you. Let's listen to that. Okay. Olympia P324 soundcheck for by twowayradios.com. Olympia P324 soundcheck for by twowayradios.com. So that was uh, an interesting audio sample. It was. <laughs> but that, that radio's got a two-year manufacturer warranty on it. Um, lots of accessories available for it as far as earpieces. Um, it uses the same connector as most Kenwood radios. Correct. So um, because of that, there's a lot of, of earpiece options and headsets and such. And it does have the, the, you know, the replacement belt clips are out there. There's stubby antennas available for them. Because with it being such a short radio, smaller radio, it does have a, it still uses a, a six-inch antenna on it. So, so uh, the, the, the antenna is actually taller than the radio. You know, it is a flexible antenna, so if you're wearing it on your, your side, it's not stabbing you in the ribs or, mm-hmm. or uncomfortable. But some folks like to take it down to the little, uh, I believe it's a three-inch, three-and-a-quarter-inch long antenna. Little stubbies, yeah. It's going to affect your range a little bit, but it, it does eliminate that six-inch antenna down to a three-inch antenna. And we actually have a different version of this P324, the P324R, which is the retail version, that um, is pre-programmed to communicate with the TK3230 from Kenwood or a CLS series from Motorola. 
and um, I believe it's preset to be maxed out at one watt of power, mm-hmm. and it comes with the stubby antenna instead of the longer antenna. So if you like that setup, the P324R is available at the same price. It's basically the same radio. They're they're both pretty much the same radio. It's just the difference is the wattage. Yeah, it, it's the same radio. It's just been reprogrammed. The default frequencies are the same as the CLS series for Motorola or the, the Kenwood TK3230, and the, the wattage is lower. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's our review on the Olympia P324 and the P324R, actually. We reviewed them both. Um, if you want more information about the Olympia P324, you can find links to them in the show notes in the RSS feed to this episode of the Two-Way Radio Show. Okay, at this point we've got some questions. We've got questions from our blogs and our forums at twowayradioforum.com. Now, the first question comes from our blog. This is from from Chris, and uh, this question is related to um, our episode last week uh, all about MERS. Uh, Will the ICOM ICF-121S support the use of MERS, or does anyone know of a mobile two-way that does have the capability to run MERS? And, And I guess he's talking about a just a regular... Um, yeah, the 121 would support the MERS frequency, but the radio was not approved by the FCC for under Part 95, so it's technically not a MERS radio. I don't believe it would support MERS under the wattage requirements. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing. Most of your mobile units are going to be a 45 or 50 watt mobile unit. Um, now they do have ways to power them down, but MERS is two watts and you cannot knock those things down, uh, especially the ICOMs. The most you can knock them down to is, I believe, um, five watts is the lowest that you can knock one of those down to. I believe it's 45 or 50, depending if it's UHF or VHF, and then it knocks it down, um, I want to say, to 20 watts and then down to five watts, and that's the lowest you can go. So, you, so you're you right. You're not meeting not the work, wattage yeah. requirements there. Okay. Uh, next question, this one comes from our forums. This is from Derek214. He says, I use an MRC-11 when out riding. Well, I used to because of the engine noise. He has a V-twin Harley. The radio is permanently turned on and picks up engine and wind noise. I'd like to try a throat mic, so I'm hoping someone here might know of or at least be able to advise me about what would fit uh, and, more importantly, work. Sounds like from what he's saying that he hasn't really tried one before, so... Um, I guess, uh, Anthony, you, we've talked about throat mics before, and uh, I guess they're for some people, not for everybody, because it kind of depends on whether or not you like, like me personally, I don't like things right on my on Yeah, my and, and a lot of it, too, has to, I mean, it takes, um, it's not a matter of just, uh, like, better to plug and play. It's, you, you've got to put that thing on your neck, and you've got to find, you may have to adjust it and move it to different, to, you know, different spots to this picking up those vibrations. I've had some people that haven't been able to use a throat mic, the, the different neck sizes. It's either too small, it's too big. The one we sell is adjustable. Um, but if you've got a really big neck or you've got a really skinny skinny neck, it's it, it may not work. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they do work. It's it's cool technology, the way it, the way that it does work. It's for some people and not for others. It just it just all depends. Okay. And uh, we've got time for one more brief um, thing. This is actually a comment from our blog. This is um, 
This is from uh, Conrad. He says, uh, great general advice given here for road trips. And I, I think we were talking about uh, the previous episode, uh, Radios on the Road. Um, he says, great general advice given here for road trips. And the brief mention of a list of GMRS FRS radios, like the Motorola MR350, which I've got. But the Midland uh, 5000, wow, great stuff. And uh, that was from Conrad. Oh, thanks for the feedback, Conrad. Send in your comments and questions for Danny, Anthony, or myself to show at buy2wayradios.com. If you want to know more about today's topic or about two-way radios in general, check out our forum discussions at twowayradioforum.com. Before we go, anybody have anything to say? Everybody's just shaking their heads. Okay. No comment, huh? Nothing this time. Okay. You just commented. Um, okay, well, today's show is sponsored by BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, BuyTwoWay Radios can help you find the best solution for your needs. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at BuyTwoWayRadios.com weekdays from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. As always, thanks for listening, and until next time, for the Two-Way Radio Show, I'm Rick Savoya. I'm Danny Peemster. And I'm Anthony Roquet. And we're out.